this morning. Amen. I want to start off with a scripture. It's in uh, Exodus chapter number three, um, beginning at verse one and going all the way to verse five. When you got it, can you just say, I got it? The scripture says, Exodus chapter three, it says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. This morning, I would like to share with you a message and we entitled it only and simply take off your sandals. If you can pray with me, let's just ask God to have his way and to bless this message. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to look into your word. We thank you for all the people that are here. We just ask that you open up our hearts, open up our minds. Help me, God, to speak the word that you want to share with us today. We ask you to bless it. Let your hand be upon it in Jesus' name. And can somebody say amen? Amen. Well, one day there was a gentleman... And my man lost his job because every, every week he would go to work. Sometimes he would be late. Sometimes he would call in for no reason. Uh, his work ethic was not up to par. He got written up. He got talked to. He got brought into the office. He got suspended for day after day <clears throat> until one day the boss just came up to him and said, hey Amen, I'm sorry but we have to let you go. We're terminating your job, and I'm sorry to say that you are fired. So the same guy goes out to lunch with his friend and begins to tell his friend that, hey man, I lost my job. And he said, but, but what happened? He said, well, they keep telling me that I'm not doing a good job, that my, my work ethic's not up to par. I mean, I come in late sometimes. I call in about once a week. But I'm saying, the people in my line, man, they're whack, dude. And my supervisor's stupid. And my GM is an idiot. And, and it, you know, the whole, the whole company is just dumb. And the best friend looks at him and says, hey, man, um, can, can, I, can I be honest with you? Can I, can I tell you the truth? And he said, yeah, man. He said, man, I, to be honest, I kind of think that, um, that this is your fault. It's not their fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's, not, it's nobody's fault, bro, but your own. And sometimes it be that way in the kingdom of God. We want to get close to the Lord. We attempt to get close to the Lord, but we don't. 
happening. And then we go around telling everybody, well, it's, it, it's the people at church's fault. You know, they don't do this and they don't do that. Or it's the pastor's fault because he doesn't preach like this. Or it's the choir's fault because this music or that music. You know what? It's the whole church's fault. It's, the neighbor, it's in a bad neighborhood. You know what? Actually, it's the city's fault. We live in a crummy city. And God is here to say this morning, can, can, can I just be honest with you? It's your fault. It ain't nobody else's fault. It's not the pastors. It's not the singers. It's not the musicians. It's nobody's fault. But can, can I be honest? It's, it's our own fault. And this is a serious situation. And because of that, there's a few things that the Lord wants us to know this morning. Can I, can, can I give those to you today? If you come back with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse number 4, the scriptures say, So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, it said when the Lord saw that he turned aside, Moses was doing this and he was doing that, and all of a sudden Moses looked and God noticed that he looked and I'm here to tell you somebody that's here today that God notices you he sees you and he knows what you're going through every broken heart that we might have and every trouble every frustration Every time we go into our closet and just cry out to God and scream. Every time that you get into your car and go down to the lake or sit in your driveway and just cry your eyes out to the Lord. I want you to know that God notices. Every single tear that has streamed down your face. Every single minute you spend wailing at the altar crying. Every single time that you sat beside your bed and prayed for your kids, your wife, your husband. Every single prayer, I want you to know that God notices. Psalms 56 verse 8 says, God, you know how I tend to wander. You put my tears into thy bottle are they not in your book every single tear that you've been crying God sees every single one and even has collected every single one into a bottle and he wants you to know I see you and I notice you Second Kings chapter 20 says turn again and tell Hezekiah who's the captain of my people Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. Don't think that I didn't hear your prayer, bro. I hear what you're saying. And I have seen thy tears. I've seen your tears. I heard you crying. Behold, I will heal thee. Because the scripture says that God is nigh to the brokenhearted. And he saves those of a contrite spirit. 
I need somebody to know today that you are not being neglected. You are not being ignored by God. You are not being cast off. You are not forgotten. But God sees everything that's going on. But there's something else that God is looking for. Besides just all your problems. Because we come and... And we tend to go to God and say, God, fix this, heal this. Can you just make this work? I need this and I need that. And God said, that's fine. You can do that because I tell you to come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, give me all your problems. Yes, do that. But there's something else that I need from you. Don't just give me your problems. But I'm looking for your trust as well. Amen. Don't just come to me saying, bless me with this, bless me, bless me, bless me. But then you don't even trust me to really do the thing that you're asking. He said, yeah, come to me with your problems. But then he says, but take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart. Do you know what a yoke is? There'll be two oxen and there'll be this wooden thing with some chains and they'll put it on their neck and they'll pull. And God is saying, all I want to do is to be able to pull you and to guide you. So take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Don't just give me your problems, but can you give me some trust? In Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path I want somebody to know today that God sees you to keep praying and to keep calling out to him keep trusting him keep seeking him because if you just keep on that bottle that contains every one of those tears that you cried. God will take those same tears and water the seeds that he's putting into your life. And he'll use those same tears to help something grow inside your life. Just keep on praying. Keep on waiting. Keep on knowing that God sees you. That God notices you. And the word of God says, and they that wait upon the Lord, they that don't give up, they that don't stop trusting, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not be faint. Just want, God wants you to know that he sees what's going on. The second thing that the Lord wants us to know is that he is calling you. Can somebody say me? Continuing in verse 4, it says, Then God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And this morning God is saying, Cheryl, Cheryl. Lisa, Lisa. Mujada, Mujada, God is calling us to Himself today. 
It is by no coincidence that any of us are here this morning. It's by no coincidence that somebody that might be watching on Facebook, that you are watching and you continue to watch. It's not by chance that you have been led to join us this morning. And it's not, no, there is a reason why you keep on coming back to Jesus Alive Ministry. There is a reason for that. And it is because God is calling you to himself. Is anybody happy? Can somebody clap your hands if you're glad that God is calling you? You think I just woke up and I decided to come to church. It's just a good day to go. But John 15, 16 says, guess what? You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I ordained you that you should go out into this world and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you ask of my father in my name, he shall give you. You think you just showed up because I'm just going to go to church and pay my respects to the man upstairs. Not knowing that behind the scenes, God is calling you to him answering your prayers you've been crying in the closet saying God I want to get close to you I just want to know you and all of a sudden you wake up and say you know what I'm going to church today John 6 44 this is an amazing scripture it says no man or woman can come to me except the father which has sent me draws him first <laughs> there's no way that you would have even came here continue to come here or decided to come here if God didn't knock on the door of your brain and say hey bro you should really go to church this morning you really need to go to the house of God this morning your eyes popped up this morning and said I'm going to church because it's the Lord that was drawing you here praise God for that this morning can somebody give the Lord some praise for even thinking about us that he cares about us, but that he's drawing us for a purpose. You say, Brother Ebo, well, why, why would he want to call me, man? I'm just some young thug from the neighborhood. I dropped out of school. I ain't got no kind of job. I ain't that smart. I used to be a gangbanger. I spent time in jail. I went to prison. I ain't got no kind of good job. I ain't got no money. Why would God choose me? I don't know, but why would God choose me? Gangbanger, drug dealer, gunslinger, bullet buster, head buster. Why would God chose me? All I know is that God does not call the qualified people, but I do know that he will qualify the called. You might not have no skills, you might not have no background, but if God chose you, he will qualify you to do whatever he needs to be done. God will use your past experiences and I know in this place I can hear Brother Darren back there. Used to smoke drugs. 
and many other people, even other leaders in this place that used to smoke hardcore drugs, get drunk, be passed out at a club, at a bar, in the middle of a street next door to the, next to the trash cans. But if God can take somebody like that from the garbage cans and make them into a Pastor Randy, then God can do anything with anybody. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? God will use your past experiences, the good ones and the bad ones, to develop your character to match the calling that he has for your life. I need to say that one more time, that God will use your past experiences, the way you grew up, all the crap that you went through as a young kid, as a teenager. He will use all the good ones and the bad ones. Not that he wants you to go through that, but to develop the character that he's going to use to match the calling that he has for your life. See, I grew up in the, in, the, in, in the hood, in the city, and my mom and dad, praise God, they, they were some good parents, but they did some bad stuff. And it's not that God wanted me to grow up that way, but he used all the bad stuff that I went through to develop the character that was needed to one day do exactly what I'm doing right now. Amen. Because one day God knew even before anybody knew that Ed Order, I'm going to make him a man of God and I'm going to make him a pastor. And I'm going to use all his past experiences and I need to develop his character to, de to match up with the calling that's going to be in his life. Amen. Growing up, my dad was a hard worker. But real quick, can we give God some praise? Because my dad had a blood infection and now he's in church one week later. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But growing up, my dad was a hard worker. Ever since I could remember, he worked at Racine Unified. We'd go to Gilmore Park, Horlick, bring him lunch. But I always knew that he was a hard worker. Where's dad? He's at work. It's 10 o'clock. Dad's coming home from work. So in my mind, he was always a hard worker, but then it, it didn't really click in until one day I was complaining to him because my work was hard. And I said, Dad, man, they got me out here snowplowing. I was out there shoveling for 10 hours straight, man. It was cold. It was hard. And he looked at me and said, I can do that standing on top of my head. From that second on, I always... And he don't even know. But from that minute, I said, man, if my dad can work that hard, I can work that hard. If my dad's that hard of a worker, I'm a... And guess what? That developed me into a hard worker. I will work. I will help. I will do all the things that's needed to be done. But that developed character in my life. Growing up, even though I was always in trouble... I was always in detention. I was in the county jail. I was in Wales. I was in the Taylor home. I was in group home. I was in the county. But through all those times of trouble, there was one lady who was always there. 
every single time that there was a visitation on a Saturday or Sunday, my mom was always, always there. Every single week, every single time. It didn't matter if I was in Wales or Southern Burlington. My mom would make the trip all by herself most of the time to come and support her son. Year after year, I could say, my mom's coming. My mom will be here. To the point to where my mom was smuggling in double quarter pounders into detention center just so her son can eat supersized french fry. The whole elevator, the whole floor smells like McDonald's, but she didn't even care. She said, I will get my son this burger. <laughs> she could have got kicked out. She could have got banned. But my mom simply did not care. And one day they were taking me, they were about to take me to Wales. And I'm sitting in the cop car with handcuffs on. I'm just sitting there by the police station. The window is about halfway down. And I'll never forget it because my mom comes running down the street. She jumps halfway into the window and she's crying and she's hugging me and she's like, son, I'm going to come see you. I'm going to come see you. And my mom, the way that I grew up, she was always so supportive and she was always there. And those bad experiences developed that same character in my life. That says, I'm going to be supportive to people and I'm going to care about other people and I'm going to love other people. Even in bad situations, God used that to develop my character so I can do this. Amen. Growing up, my parents had their ups and downs and they, they fought and argued and spent a lot of time at my grandma's house and my other grandma's house because they were fighting and arguing. But through all those years, they never gave up on each other. Amen. They always stayed. They stayed married. They never got divorced. Hard times, good times. They stayed together. Amen. And I've seen that. I've seen the problems, but I've seen the fight. I've seen they stay together. And that did something inside of me. That said, I'm not going to be a quitter. And I'm not going to give up. And I'm going to be loyal as well. See, the bad things that we have gone through in our past can still sometimes come and be good for our lives. Finally, I remember my dad used to drink for many years, 20 or 30 years, every day, sitting by the couch, and I hope he's not embarrassed by this, but sitting by the couch with a hot case of Budweiser beer, cracking them open and drinking them while we're watching, what's what's that show, Uh, Twilight Zone or something. Andy Griffith, my dad's popping back cold, I mean, hot beers. But it was an issue for my dad growing up. Until one day, he almost lost the whole family. And he went to treatment for one day. Drinking for 30 days, 30 years, almost every day. And then one time going to an outpatient place for one day, he came back the next day and stopped drinking totally in one single day. And it taught me something in my mind clicked and said, Ed, don't run from your problems. When you got something hard in your life, don't run from it. Face it head on. You will get over it. But face your issues. Don't run from them. 
I know that some people are going through some stuff today. You're going through some stuff. You've seen some stuff. You're even going through stuff right now that's bad. All I can say is please keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Because he is developing something in you even right now. Even through the hard times, the troubled times, the sad times. God is developing something in your life that's going to match up with the calling that he's calling you to do. Everything happens for a reason. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good to those that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. All things will work together for the good. God is calling us to himself this morning. And all I can say to you, church, every man and woman in this place, is please don't hit the reject button because God is trying to call you today. And finally, in verse number five, and this is where we get the name of this message, the title of this message, but in verse number five, he says this. He tells Moses, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. God wants us all to know this morning that we're trying to live for God. We're trying to get near to him. We are attempting to. We say that we do. But God is saying, look, wait, stop right there. You can't go any further than this line right here. I mean, I'm glad that you come to church. I'm glad that you're trying. But I'm saying, you can't go any further than this right here. Because you got to take those dirty sandals off your feet. Because where you're trying to go is holy ground. And there's some people that want to get close to God this morning. You want to walk with Jesus, you want to know him, but you're still hanging on to bags full of worldliness and suitcases full of sin. You're coming to the house of God and you want to worship, we want to live here, and we're trying to get close to God, but we can't get past this invisible line. And God is saying, hold up, bro. You can't go by. The, you need to put that suitcase down. You need to put them bags down. Because unless you do, you're not going to go any further than that right there. Does anybody feel what I'm talking about this morning? Psalms 34 says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who's going to go and climb the hill of the Lord? Who's going to get close to God? Who will stand in his holy place in his presence? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Only him and he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. People be playing around with God too much. 
and we come in here with bags full of garbage and mess and then we wonder why we can't go any further than we're going right now it's not their fault their fault their fault god is saying hey you want to come quicker put the bags down Put the suitcase down, put the sin down, put the mess down. But unless you do, brother or sister, you will not go any further than you are currently right now. Isaiah 59 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. And his ear is not heavy, that it cannot hear what you're saying. But your iniquities, but your sin, but your garbage, but your mess, but all that stuff you playing with has separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he won't even hear you. I can't blame it on the pastor. I can't blame it on the choir. I can't blame it on my church members, brother or sister. This is all on you. There are some things in our life that need some attention. There are some things in our life that need to be addressed. Just because we hear them, we think that God don't see them, but God sees everything. Just because we don't talk about it don't mean it's not there. It's still there and God knows that it's there. Just because the pastor don't know, just because Sister Lisa don't know, just because we may not know. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, beholding both the good and the evil. You might be able to hide it from us, but you cannot hide it from God. Because you'll never be able to go further in Christ. Let me give you a biblical example. We all know the story about... Uh, Jericho we all know that the walls fell down they went around and it was a great victory the praise the walls fell down and we think that that's the end of the story but that's really not God told Joshua and them when the city falls go up in there kill everybody every man every woman every animal except Rahab and her family we're going to save them but he said go in there Destroy everybody, but bring me the iron, the steel, the gold, the silver. Bring all that back to the treasury of the Lord. Don't none of y'all keep nothing. Every piece of silver, not one little single shekel do you keep because this stuff is accursed. So they did that. A couple weeks later, a couple days later, they get into another fight. And Joshua's like, hey man, this is, a, this is a little country, man. Nothing to worry about. Let me just go send like a thousand people over here. We're going to smash them. This ain't nothing. Well, they came back and they lost. Strong people of God went and fought against a weak people and lost. They came back crying. Even 30 people lost their life. And they came back and cried out to God and said, God, how could you allow us, the people of God, who are strong and mighty, to lose to somebody that is so weak as them? And God said, because there's some secret sin in the camp. That's why you lost this battle. That's why you lost this fight. 
And I'm here to say today that that is why we ourselves keep losing the battles that we fight in our life. And that's why we keep losing the battles in the wars, in the fights that come to us. We keep losing them because we got some hidden sin in our camp. As strong and mighty as God is and as the people of God are, it does not matter if you got hidden sin in your camp. We want to blame everybody else, but this one is on us. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin or tries to cover his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knows to do good, which we all know what is good and what is not, but to him that knows to do good but doesn't do it, to him it is sin. God takes sin very seriously. But too many people are used to just playing around with God. God is a holy God and he calls us to be holy as well. Does anybody know that this morning? He does not call call us to be perfect because jam none of us can be perfect. When I'm saying be holy, I'm not saying you got to be perfect and never sin and never have a bad thought because that's never going to happen. But he said, try and be to live holy and righteous and clean as much as you possibly can with every fiber in your body. Try to be righteous and holy and clean and pure. Because first Peter says, for which he which has called you is holy so be ye holy in every manner of your life. I'm going to close here in a couple seconds, but I just want to show you this before we go. People say, well, you know what? If I sin, God will just forgive me. Not a big deal if I sin. Not a big deal if I take a couple drinks. Not a big deal if I smoke a couple blunts. All I got to do is say, God, forgive me, and it's going to be over. You know what? God takes sin much serious than that. If you can put this on the screen, I don't know if it's working, but it's Joshua chapter 7. And we'll be done in about two minutes. But Joshua chapter 7, verse 24 to 26 Let me show somebody this morning who's kind of been playing around just a little bit, who hasn't really been taking it very serious, but it says in verse 24, then Joshua in all Israel, they found out, rewind, they they found out that there was sin in the camp. They went through the whole camp. They found it out there was this man by the name of Achan who's the one who stole the stuff. They went up to Achan's house. They said, hey, bro, what did you do? And he said, man, I, I, I'm sorry, but I stole 200 shekels of gold. I stole a Babylonian garment and I stole a wedge of gold. And it's, it's in my tent. It's right here. And he gave him all the stuff. And this is what they did to my man who had hidden sin. 
Joshua and all the Israel went with him. They took Achan, the son of Zerah. They took the silver. They took the garment. They took the wedges of gold. But listen up, somebody. They took his sons. They took his daughters. They took his oxen, his donkey, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Achan, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all of Israel, because of this hidden sin, stoned him with stones. Him, his family, his wife, his children. And not only did they stone him with stones, after that, they burned him with fire. And if that was not enough, and after that, they raised over him a great heap of stones. It's, they didn't just forgive him and say, oh, yeah, it's cool. Go back, go back and God will forgive you. They took him, his wife, his kids, everything, stoned him. And that wasn't enough. We're going to burn him. And if that ain't enough, we're going to cover him with big old stones so that we never, ever want to see this man or his family or any memory of them ever again. And I need to tell you that your hidden or your unaddressed sin will not only affect you, but it will affect your husband, it will affect your wife, it will affect your children, your grandchildren, all your little houses, all your little cars, all your little gold and silver, all your little watches, everything that you might have. It affects everything. And this morning the Lord is calling us to address the sin in our lives. To stone those things that so easily trip us up. The same things that always are messing us up. I'm trying to walk for God and these couple things always get in my way. God said, well then stone those things. Get some stones, break them, and destroy them. But don't just stone them. After that, I want you to burn them, consume them. I want them things to evaporate, to never ever resurrect again. But don't only do that, and after you burn them, cover them up with righteous living. For the Bible says, when your obedience is fulfilled, I forgot that scripture, but it popped in my head right there. But then you cover it with righteous living, and you let the past be the past, so we can move forward, and we can move higher in Christ how many people can feel the things that God is telling us this morning can somebody just clap your hands one time if you can please stand as, as we close I do want to read just one more scripture to you There's a lot of things, there's some things, there are some unaddressed sin, there's some, some hidden sin that, that's going on in our life. And God is just, just saying, if you want to come closer, if you want to go higher, if you want to go further, then you need to address 
what is hidden. Verse number seven, it says, and then the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. He said, I surely see what all these people in the jam church are going through. I see your struggles. I see your effort. But I see the things that you keep on doing. I see the things that you keep on watching. I see the things you keep on drinking. I see the things you keep on smoking. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know your sorrows. So God said, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land. I want to bring them to a good and to a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites. I want to take them to the promised land. And this morning, God is just saying, I want to take you to a good place in God. I want to take you to the promised land. I want to take you to the place in the spirit of God that it seems like it's flowing with milk and honey. I want to take you to a place in the presence of God where there's joy and peace and happiness in the Holy Ghost. But there's some things that we need to address first. Second Chronicles says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Then and only then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. If somebody could just bow your head right now. I really don't know who God is speaking to today. I don't really know what kind of sin is going on in your life. I don't know what you've been hiding. I don't know what you've been neglecting to take care of. For some people, it might be porn. For others, it might be pride. For some, it might be drugs and alcohol. But for others, it might be unforgiveness. For some it might be booze, for others it might be bitterness. I don't really know. All I know is that God is saying there's something in your heart, something that needs to be taken care of. And I just ask if that sounds like you, could you just lift up your hands wherever you're at this morning?